Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ciao. Hello. Welcome to Fertility Insights, the Cooper Surgical Podcast. Welcome to Fertility Insights. My name is Molly Erskine, and I work as the Genomics Communication Manager at Cooper Surgical. For this episode, we're pleased to be joined by Dr. Denny Sakas, Chief Scientific Officer at Boston IVF, and Alyssa Jones, Facility Manager at Michigan Reproductive Medicine. Welcome both Denny and Alyssa, and thank you for joining us. Um, so, no worries. Um, so today, we wanted to talk to you both about the importance of witnessing during IVF, and how using a combination of an electronic witnessing system and parental quality checks that are used in PGT, and we have in our PGT complete test, can act as a kind of double protection for your patients and clinicians. This is in light of some of the stories we've seen cropping up in the media recently, where historical mix-ups have been discovered. These stories are certainly driving patient anxiety, and we'd like to explore ways to reduce this anxiety for our patients and for our clinicians as well by using witnessing and parental quality check technology to confirm a match between the embryo, the parents, and the biopsy sample as well. So to begin with, um, I'd just like to, to offer you both the opportunity to give a bit of an overview about your background um, and the roles you've held in IVF before we start delving into um, the mix-up stories. So, Danny, would you like to go first? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, as you mentioned before, I'm Chief Scientific Officer at Boston IVF, which is one of the larger groups in the USA. Um, my background is uh, I started off in doing a PhD in reproductive biology in Australia, uh, as you can tell by the accent. Um, I then, um, the PhD involved working a lot with uh, animal embryos, but also hum um, developing some human embryo technologies, uh, including micro manipulation. Um, I then ran groups and did research in throughout Europe, in a few groups in Europe, uh, and have done the same in the US. And uh, ended up landing about 10 years ago in Boston IVF, where we run a, a very strong uh, research program and also uh, obviously have a very large uh, embryology lab. Um, I'm less involved with uh, direct embryology these days. Uh, I'll leave that up to our cap capable embryologists. Um, so uh, right now I do more, more of the research, but uh, also oversee if there's any issues in the laboratory, in the IVF laboratory also. Amazing. Thank you, Danny. And Alyssa? Thank you, Molly. So I started in IVF in 1992, and I was at one program for about 18 years as an embryologist and lab manager. And about 2009, I moved to Michigan Reproductive Medicine to this current practice. It's a single physician practice. I'm the embryologist and also facility manager. So I have a unique um, perspective. I like, like Denny, I'm not in the lab quite as much as I'd like to be, um, but I, I get back there probably about a week every every month. Um, I think having the clinical side perspective and even the front desk um, really helps coordinate our group and make it a cohesive group. Like you say, cool to have both sides of the the knowledge and understanding of the lab as well as knowing how the whole kind of clinic functions. Um, and yeah, I guess both the, the backgrounds you both come from, you know, we are seeing much more press scrutiny and awareness around these mix-up stories. Um, and, you know, are these on your your radar? And are you seeing um, more patients being worried about, about these kind of stories in the press? Um, yes, yeah, definitely. I think um, uh, we published a, actually a paper about five years ago on um, 
non-conformances or errors in the lab and uh, just telling what rates we actually had within the laboratory. So uh, for us, it's always been an issue. Um, I think we've seen in particular genetics, like things like 23andMe and Ancestry.com, mm -hmm. where actually those have actually highlighted a number of cases, not obviously on, from spontaneous pregnancies also, but actually uh, some surprise cases I think we've seen in IVF of mix-ups and that. So it's definitely, um, it's not going to go away. I think mm -hmm. it's just going to get more and more, I think, um, as our technologies also in terms of genetics are able to trace these, uh, you know, unfortunate mistakes, basically. And Alyssa, do you, have you seen these kind of stories driving patient concerns as well with people coming to your practice? Absolutely. Patients patients are nervous. Um, a lot of these, these mix-ups happen years and years ago that you didn't even know happened. And, and like Denny said, that 23 mean ancestry is just bringing it to light. So they, they ask questions. Patients ask questions. What are your processes? What, mm. what, what do you do to keep, keep us safe? Definitely. And I think, you know, moving on from that to kind of what can be done to help. Um, I was wondering if both of you could give me a bit of a background as to what electronic witnessing is, if people haven't heard of it before and kind of how it can help in the labs. Um, maybe start with you, Danny. OK, yeah. So electronic witnessing is exactly what what the term is. So obviously, uh, you know, historically, we've relied on manual witnessing. So uh, using using people to witness, calling some you know another embryologist over and making sure that a number on a, a dish is correct or a test tube or a you know the initials to make sure. But um, electronic witnessing sort of elevates that to a, a another step if you want, where basically you you have to have a match basically. So if you're bringing mm -hmm. two tubes into the same vicinity, if you're actually treating a patient, so if I'm treating Mrs X and um, Mr. Y or Mrs. Y comes up on the electronic witnessing uh, uh, screen, then, you know, it does beep. It tells you there's a mistake. You have to bring someone over. So it, it adds a sort of secondary level to to that. Um, and, and especially, uh, Alyssa mentioned before, and I'd, I'd like to hear her comments on smaller labs, but a lot of people think, oh, the big labs are the ones you have to be careful of. But actually the smaller labs are the ones that are probably benefit more for electronic witnessing just because of staffing levels. Yeah, and the, the reassurance to those patients is probably the key thing in this whole conversation, isn't it? And making sure, I think we're probably going to see patients becoming more and more aware of these witnessing systems and like checking that the labs actually have them before they're, or they're starting their treatment. It's probably going to become something that is more important um, for them in the process as well. Um, but I am aware that the systems also drive improvement in the SOPs in the lab as well. And and why are SOPs important to adhere to when you're looking at these kind of processes as well? Um, yes, you know, uh, your protocols are always very important because any any protocol drift is sort of, you know, you, you may not see it today, but in a month or so you may um, you know, see an effect on any procedure, um, not just witnessing, but just any procedure in, in general. So people taking longer to do things or people not actually following uh, procedures. So, um, you know, we, we do sort of look at some of these electronic witnessing programs as uh, only witnessing, but they, they also make you think about your protocols. I, I think in the US we're lucky because we um, we have quite strong accreditation through CAP and um, other state 
pro, you know, state accreditation uh, groups. Um, so, but uh, still, you know, witnessing things like that make us make sure that we're following those protocols and uh, not just, like I said, witnessing protocols, but other things, how, how long someone's taking to do procedures, mm-hmm. um, not to the detriment of maybe the embryologist, but maybe to show um, in the clinic, and again, Alyssa's sort of running the clinic in many ways, to show that maybe we need more staff, for example. So there are many things that um, witnessing gives you hard data on, let's say, uh, which is sort of beneficial in terms of how you run how you run a laboratory. And I guess, um, Denny, have have you seen improvements? I know you use RI Witness in one of your labs. Have you have you seen improvements since bringing that on board in that lab? Uh, so we use it. Um, obviously, we have a, a very large lab where we do thousands and thousands of retrievals. But we actually use it in one of the smaller labs. I, I I think I mentioned before, like it's the smaller labs. I think that sometimes benefit more from these. So this was a lab that was um, uh, set up recently. Uh, in in one of the other states from Massachusetts, uh, so mm-hmm. we we've used it to tweak protocols to make sure staffing levels are correct. We're not over overstressing um, the the small smaller number of embryologists we have there. Um, I think it uh, from speaking to them, you know, especially weekends. Alyssa mentioned weekends where it's you know really difficult sometimes to you know you may have the staff there, but it's hard to call someone over in the middle of something to mm-hmm. to witness something. So. Um, you know, these might seem trivial things, but actually they're incredibly important. And so, so that's where you know you you see benefits. I think from from the, you know having this electronic backup, if you want. Sure. And then Alyssa, I guess if we just move towards um, some of the genetic testing side of things, because obviously that was somewhere that we could see was potentially, you know, because you have a biopsy taken from the embryo taken for um, pre-implantation genetic testing and how do we know that that biopsy is also matching the samples that came to the lab in the first place so how can we ensure that after genetic testing takes place that the embryo biopsy does match the parent samples and um, why is it important to also provide an audit trail for these biopsied samples Um, can you give a bit of background to that please so for all of our PGTA and M cases, we do use complete. So we take buckle swabs from uh, the parents at retrieval. The only time we can't do complete is if there's a donor involved because you can't get the genetic samples yeah. from them. And we we have made the choice not to send the buckle swab kits to the homes. That is a choice that you have. We'd like to have control over that. And we can mm-hmm. talk a little bit more why I like that um, later on. But then when we get the results, the embryo matches, it gives a match on the report saying, yes, this embryo biopsy then matches to the parental samples that we we received. There's a couple other added advantages with uh, the complete that I really like is when you have an aneuploidy that's not mosaic, it gives the origin of that aneuploidy. And that's been incredibly important for our patients to know where that aneuploidy is coming from. And we wouldn't be able to do that without having those parental samples. And knowing where that aneuploidy comes from, does that help with decision-making further down the line, you know, potentially turning to a donor or something like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Where we would have thought it was a an egg problem because of an age and it was all paternal where the, you know, the sample looked good, but maybe there was a lot of DNA fragmentation where, you know, we went to a fresh testicular biopsy and then we just got a baby from it. <laughs> Interesting. That's really cool to hear. Okay. Um, and then back to, you know, were there any reasons or any 
any stories that you had or things that made you want see the need for the parental QC feature of um, of complete. All of the stories, and like Denny said, being a small lab, that there you get interrupted so many times when you're processing a specimen. The phone will ring, or someone has to have their blood drawn, and that, that's that's the challenges with a small lab. As the embryologists are playing, doing more than one one thing at a time, especially mm-hmm. on the weekends and holidays, where you only have one one step because people like weekends off. To have this just as an added benefit and and it just I, I'd rather of course make sure that the mistake doesn't happen before it gets to the embryo but then by the time we get to the embryo we know for sure that this is those those parents yeah that's that's integral isn't it and you have you did mention as well about the um buckle swabs that you liked making sure that those were done at the clinic as well what why was that what was the choice behind that well, throughout my career, I have had three occasions where somebody has brought in a specimen that was not her partner's in Denny's. Wow, Sugar. okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and I don't think it was to commit fraud. There has been cases of that happening where then they turned around and tried to sue the IVF center um, for a mix-up as a small center, you know, it would hurt us just to even defend that. And this way, because we take the buckle swabs, we ID the patients before we take them. Yeah. We know for sure that that's going to match the sample. Right. Okay. And Danny, yeah, I could see you laughing and nodding. So have you had some experiences like that as well? Uh, in the I, past? I, I, I can only say uh, ditto for, uh, <laughs> for Alyssa's comment. Uh, wow. Okay. You know, for whatever reason, um, you know, I think I think uh, as a, a sanity check, um, you know, it's it sort of it helps to actually have uh, the you know the right person give you the right sample and make sure it's the right person. But you know, for for many reasons, so I think uh, you know that's where that basically helps. And that actually, does, I'm sorry, it certainly yeah. does mitigate the risk to the clinic. Yeah. That's so funny because that is my next question. Is, so with all of that in mind, so how does this, you know, it's not only reducing patient anxiety, but it's also mitigating the risk for the clinic. And I think that's something that I've only really started realising as part of the story recently is it's, you know, we're so heavily focused on reducing the patient anxiety, but actually it's also, you know, massively mitigating the risk. And yeah, and as we see more people going through IVF, there's more opportunities for for things to happen. So yeah, I think it's obviously giving both of you a lot of confidence. So that's good. And I think it not only reduces the patient's anxiety, it reduces the staff anxiety. Mm, Okay. If there's a mix up, it hurts not only patient, it hurts the clinic. It hurts you. it, It would hurt you personally. You know, I haven't experienced it, but I can only imagine how, how it would, it would hurt. Well, you know, IVF cycles have become incredibly complicated now, you know, uh, you know, 10 years ago, we used to, you know, put the sperm with the eggs. Uh, you would do a fresh transfer most of the time. Um, you know, you would freeze maybe some eggs if the patients were lucky or embryos. Um, it, I, th- I think, you know, there are papers showing that I think we're spending, I don't know, between five to nine times more time uh, wow. managing cycles. So now a cycle, you know, a lot of times, it, you know, involves maybe, you know, inseminating, 
uh, growing embryos to blastocysts, biopsying them, mm-hmm. storing those biopsied embryos, you know, for for maybe two, three weeks uh, or months at a time. As Alyssa mentioned before, matching, making sure ones, you know, the aneuploid ones are the right ones and the euploid ones are the right ones. So, so a cycle, the management of a cycle and the steps that you have to sort of make sure you've got all your sort of ducks in a row and everything has become incredibly complicated. So, um, you know, the patients may not see that as much, but as an embryologist, you see that and you you are worried that, you know, have I not, you don't worry, but you want to make sure you've biopsied the right embryo, put it in the right place, labelled the straws right, transferred the genetics data back to the label correctly, matched everything correctly. There's so many steps now that I think having having uh, another system sort of just as a sanity check, I think is, is not going to hurt at all. So I think that's where these systems come in, you know, come as helpful. And we and these systems have not replaced anything. Yeah, that exactly. Mm-hmm. It's on top of the manual. It's on top of getting the 6 a.m. FaceTime call on the weekend. We haven't, we haven't stopped anything we've done. It's an addition. Yeah, that's important to note as well, isn't it? That every possible avenue for checking these things is is happening from the human side, from the electronic side. You know, it's it is the utmost most important thing that you guys are doing. So, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting you saying about you know as the number of like frozen cycles increases, and yeah, there's plenty more moving parts to be trying to control. So, well, yeah. and then you know, and then remember those samples are out of our hands for a lot of the cycle too. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we ship them to, you know, to another facility. Um, you know, other companies, you know, Cooper themselves are handling these. Um, so they're out of our hands. So, mm-hmm. you know, in some way we want to make sure that, that's, that that side's done correctly too. So it's a bit of a sanity check that, you know, while they're out of our hands before they come back, you know, the results come back to us that, you know, everything's right too. So, there's just so many moving parts now to a cycle. It's, um, it, you know, it's uh, mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is exactly right. It's it's like the, the clinic is the patient and the testing facility, Cooper in this example, is is the test. We want to make sure you're doing things right. Mm. Yeah, and so you being able to uphold us with the QC checks is is quite important as well. Because, absolutely. And obviously, I think something that I've heard from, from some of our counselling team, our genetic counselling team, is that sometimes the patients misunderstand and think that the whole embryo is taken from the lab yeah. for testing and stuff. And we're just talking about biopsies here, which I think is is important to mention. But that's the whole point of the QC part of the test, that this biopsy that's taken, that's tested, is checks back against the um, the embryo as well. Um but yeah, anyway, I'm going off topic now. Um, <laughs> how how do you both see the future of witnessing progressing? Do you feel that there are any areas that um, need to be developed further or or worked on? Um, well, I, I think the parental testing and making sure parental, um, you know, matchups, there's parental matchups. Uh, you know, I know people are working on technologies of these and having um, uh, something in the media along with the embryo uh, as a tracer, basically, that you can actually follow it. Um, I know artificial intelligence now, there are some groups that um, are saying they can actually identify individual embryos. So, you know, if you've you've swapped something over, then they, you know, they it may give you a, a secondary witnessing um, avenue. So 
I think all, you know, we've seen, you know, the great leaps with technology, with, uh, you know, with genetic testing and being able to test the embryo, make sure it's the right one. I think, I think you know, molecular test technologies will, will assist us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I can see witnessing sort of not just, you know, a barcode um, uh, matching as, as we're doing now, um, but I, I can see it actually sort of ramping up to barcode and also, you know, a, a molecular level or a, 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 a image recognition level that we may be using things like that. Um, so I, I can see that it will sort of change in the, in the future. And I also think that it's it's going to be the standard of care. I think patients are not going mm-hmm. to choose centers that don't use a witnessing program. Yeah, that I makes wouldn't. sense. That it's going to be seen as like a something you want to check before you choose that certain clinic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, as a last question, I guess, kind of circling back, back around, we'll obviously, as we mentioned at the start, we're going to see more of these historical cases um, coming up in the media. But how do we maintain reassurance for patients going through IVF? Is it just telling them that the clinic has this witnessing system, or or what do you both think? just in terms of complete reassurance for those patients? I bring patients back into the lab and show them when they ask me questions. You know, if they even kid, how, you know, how am I, how do I know that you're not going to accept my specimen? I take it very seriously. I bring it back and show them. That's amazing. I show them my whole process. I show them, you know, what we're doing, how many, how many times we have ID checks and, and throughout the process. Yeah, and I, I I think that's very true. You know, we we all have the, you know, the partner that hands over the sperm sample, and they jokingly say, you know, don't mix this up. And, but you know, they're serious in a way. You know, they might yeah. be laughing, and so um, you know, you have to assure the patients that they're, you know, that we have these processes in place. That you know, we take them very seriously. Um, I think, um, uh, you know, I think in the end, patients, uh, and I know with witnessing, they they get a report. I think I think in some way they're going to get you know a more detailed report maybe that may be just as important as you know you've got two or three blastocysts frozen, um, yeah. you know. So I think in the you know in the long run, the patients will probably maybe demand these reports in some way to you know to make sure that everything's sort of uh, um, you know is is correct you know in terms of how things have gone through because I you know they obviously do worry about it and I think we're going to hear more and more about these. Um, you know, in the future, unfortunately. So, um, and it's not just witnessing, you know, it's the, it's making sure everything's stored correctly. Uh, you know, like I said before, people are storing their embryos much longer. So I think in general, people are hopefully going to be more aware of, um, you know, how these processes are done. Yeah, and I think that communication is key, isn't it? And yeah. that patient communication is pretty important in all of this as well. So thank you both very much um, for participating in this important conversation. Um, And to find out more about RI Witness or the PGT Complete Test, you can head to our website um, and you can click the link in the show notes to have one of our expert team get in touch with you. Um, But yeah, thank you both very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.